but you want to know what your risk is. You need to ask better questions. Go into your doctor visit, have the three things you want to accomplish in that visit, have these great dialogue with your health professional. If you don't get that dialogue, then you probably need to move on to another health professional. But I'll just tell you, many health professionals want their patients to be in the game. And if they're not in the game, it's hard. You know, if I have somebody coming in, they're not, you know, they're not curious, they're not asking good questions, it's hard to get down that path, right? So again, that's that's a big part of it. And then as simple as we talked about this, take your Know Your Numbers handout, take it in and give it to them and, and make sure you know what your risk is and then start taking some, some action along the way. And then do that, probably get your blood work done once a year, but try to stagger that around if you're getting it done in August, make sure you get it done the following year, maybe in the month of February, so you're not having it at the same time every year because sun does make a difference and, right. and things along the way. So I want you to drink enough water. Be really intentional about your water. Number two, I want you to consume omega-3 fats. And if you're doing the cod liver oil and if you don't consume any type of fish, then it's the flax, the chia. But the reason we love the cod liver oil, the flax, and the chia, because now you cover all aspects of your omega-3, plus we have the D3. Boom. And if we bring some form of chlorophyll to the party, because I don't know about you, but I probably don't eat as much greens as I should. I mean, I'll eat asparagus or broccoli or a big salad, but I'm only eating it probably once, possibly twice a day. So here comes my spirulina corolla. Here comes my wheatgrass. My wheatgrass is in the morning. So if you can get the water, the omega-3s, and the chlorophyll, you cover so much ground, which is really kind of everything we're talking about. Welcome back to another Rusty Moo podcast. Uh, I'm in the hot seat today with my uh, colleague, uh, Rashawn. And uh, Rashawn, just to let you know, I've had a handful of uh, of my friends and uh, listeners that have said they really enjoy you uh, being on the podcast. So, again, thanks for uh, joining me again today. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to you all. Thank you. And uh, just to let you guys know what's coming in just a second, uh, we're, we're in the Series 3 of Your Health Keeps Score. And today we're going to talk about... Uh, not only knowing your numbers, but improving your numbers. But before we begin, a little uh, housekeeping here at Ontario Living. And for those of you who cannot see it, but this is our new product, and this is our kids' cod liver oil. And this comes in, I'm told by Mark and Matt, that comes in in a couple week, or maybe a week or so. And it tastes like bubble gum, mm-hmm. which flavored with real monk fruit. So there's nothing artificial in here or uh, natural flavorings. It's just real monk fruit, so it does have a little bubblegum flavor. This is our brand new product. This is our cod liver oil um, gel tabs and soft gels, and they're um, they're actually very refreshing. I'm not a big fan of eating the gel tablet yeah, itself, either, but. <laughs> but we just chomp on it, and away we go. So again, we're great for traveling. And last but not least, uh, we've mentioned about our bars. If you're not familiar with our our whole food bars, they're not baked. And they're um, great for your gut health, but they're a food bar. So, again, it's an easy way to have nutrients mm-hmm. that are right around 300 calories when we first came out with them. People were like, do you know how many calories are in this? I'm like, it's not a snack. It's a food bar. So if you're stuck, it's actually get a meal replacement. So, um, And we have brand-new packaging, which yeah. creates a lot of moisture. So I eat those after I work out all the time. I, I mean, I, I was we were traveling this last weekend, uh, Mount Hood in Oregon. And I had a boatload of these things. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, family members were asking me, 
uh, what are you eating? I'm like, uh, I'm eating a food bar. You guys ha- sell food bars? I go, yeah, you need to get on our website. So mm-hmm. I had created a lot of interest there. But, yeah, it's uh, as you know, it's something that when we're busy, we can grab and, you know, people's life. But it is a food bar. It's a meal replacement, basically, mm-hmm. when you get stuck. So yep. it's not something you want to eat all the time. But bar. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. A, instead of doing the crummy protein bar or the who knows what's ever processed bar, yeah. you know, away you go. Uh, also, a couple things just to let everybody know. We do live uh, retreats. In fact, I have a couple, couple of groups coming in. Um, so if you're interested, give us a call. Um, but we do full immersion, experiential learning. Uh, that could be one day, two day, and I have a group coming in that is a three-day event. And so these can be very private, one or two, or you can bring in a small group. And um, we're doing also, if you're ever holding a meeting and you're local, we're doing a whole bunch of those. Mm. And it's basically a half day, so you can hold some of your meeting content along with our stuff. And um, it's become very popular to connect with your not only your people, but also help them with their greatest asset, and that asset's their health. Uh, Books. Uh, the Rusty Moo book, we're going to be talking a little bit about that today. If you're not familiar with it, this is really where the content, this is your guide. We have an app. And then, uh, as always, we have an amazing team that you can call, email, and uh, we'll, we'll get back to you. So I think we, that w- we kind of pride ourselves on that. We are here to help you in your journey for taking care of your greatest asset, and that asset's your health. So anything you want to add, my friend, before we jump into this topic? Um, I got one thing I want to ask the viewers. Um, if anyone is looking to be a brand ambassador, contact us. If you have our uh, Instagram, DM us. We're looking for brand ambassadors, no matter the age. If you love the products, just reach out to us, and we'll get you right. You know what I'm saying? We're trying to get more videos and just spread the knowledge, spread the word. So just let us know. That's it. That's all I got. And I think, you know, that's kind of the history of us mm-hmm. is, you know, how we grow or how we, we want to grow is, again, a lot of it's grassroots and, you know, coming from the ground up. But, again, it all helps when people are, you know, you're, hey, what's the best restaurant you want to go to? Or, right. hey, tell me a new movie you've seen or what's a new series out there you've, list, you know, watched. And it's all that. So, again, um, if anybody has any interest in that, let us know. We're happy yeah. to, to be, you know, again, we're all about collaboration. It's yeah, not about absolutely. competition. It's about collaboration. Mm-hmm. And word of mouth is powerful. It's, believing a it, product is like it speaks for itself. It's really powerful. Yeah. So, all right, so a little recap here. So, this is series three. This is our last series on your health keep score. And as I started the series one, medical illiteracy has never been higher. We don't know this space. And if you don't know it, how do you take care of it? Right. And so, you know, and Rashawn's really good about all this, but, you know, the two things we're not taught in school is finance, personal finance, and the other one is, is health. So, That's why we decided to do this series, just to help everybody learn a little bit more about this and how to have a great conversation, how to have better relationship with your health professional. Because it's not fair to your health professionals to walk in with broken sleep, Mm -hmm. high blood pressure, mental health challenges, anxiety, whatever it might be, Mm -hmm. and think they're going to fix you in a 12 to 15-minute visit. It's not going to happen. So we got to get in the game, and this is what it's about. So just to kind of recap, the first... A segment, the first uh, episode we had was on your health keeps score. And this is really about decoding your health. Mm-hmm. So imagine, we kind of let off with this, imagine if you're cruising down the highway mm-hmm. and the engine light goes on. 
I think all of us hope the engine light goes off. But we don't want to keep masking stuff. So, again, step one, we ask better questions. Mm. But a real, real quick recap is your eyes, your teeth, your gums, breath, how you sleep, digestion, elimination. You know, when I ask people about the bowls or elimination, most people are not even aware of that. Mm. And the bowls is the bowel, the urine, the lymph, the lungs, and the skin. So if those are all working great, you're probably having great elimination. You're probably pretty healthy. But if you talk to most people about elimination, they don't even know what you're talking about. Right. Like, tell me, you know, what's your bowel movement look like? How often do you have? And they're like, nobody's ever asked me that before. Well, I do because I want to know how you're eliminating. So that's a big yeah. one. And then we move into six, which is energy. I think our whole world is trying to manufacture it. So if your energy's not good, you got to step back and say, well, why is my energy not good? It doesn't have right. to come in a pot of coffee or an energy drink. Mm-hmm. And then... What's going on with your muscles, connective tissue? Do you have back pain, shoulder problems, and knees? But when the body is out of balance many times, our posture's not good or whatever it might be, we start having muscle skeletal problems. And then bone health's another one. And then number nine is skin, hair, and nails. So when you look at your nails and you look at your skin, you can always kind of tell because the skin is the largest organ in the body, mm. and the body heals from the inside out, you know, bottom to top. So when you look at people's feet... <laughs> There's a lot of things that show up in the feet. So if it's calluses in the feet, you think like... Well, not so much calluses, but color of the feet, Oh, okay. what their toenails look like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when we go to the Mac sometimes and you're in the locker room and you see some of these older gentlemen, you don't want to look at their feet. I just look away. I can't look at them. So. <laughs> but it's always a good indication because we don't talk about that. Yeah, that's true. So I was seeing... Uh, I have multiple massage therapists, and I was uh, talking to one of them the other day, and she was saying that, you know... Some of her clients, the first thing that she talks to them about is their feet. She already knows about their health when she, you know, starts, you know, doing, you know, massaging their feet. So, and last is is body weight. So that's episode one, decoding your health. So if you want to learn more about that, it has nothing to do with blood work. Episode number two was all about know your numbers. And if you're not familiar with this, it's called Know Your Numbers, and it's a one-page handout on our website under downloads. So print this off. It's in my book. We have all sorts of information on it, but it's really simple. So whatever you grasp today, next time you get a, a blood test, you need to understand what your risk is. And the only way you'll know your risk is to get some of these tests. And many of these tests on here, which we're going to talk about today, are not on a typical blood test. Mm-hmm. Homocysteine, high sense of CRP, testosterone. These might not be on your blood test unless you ask for them and then you just give them this. So this is the no-brainer. So again, cholesterol's on here, understanding some of that stuff. But on the back side of it is how to improve your numbers. So it's just a simple summary of things you can do to improve those numbers. And again, that's what we're going to cover today. So any questions before we dive in? Are you talking to me? To you. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I always I had this question for like since last week. The skin. When you see people with skin like breakouts out the blue or skin on the arm or something and it look like eczema, you think that's like an inside yes. like morning sign? psoriasis, eczema. You know, I had, de- I had bad skin. That's kind of my story growing up. And I was given oral meds and topical creams and I had severe dandruff and mm. I had elimination problems in our house. We had kaopectate. It was just normal. Mm. And so we had dandruff shampoo, we had acne medications. Mm. It had nothing to do with that. It had everything to do with what we were eating and drinking. Mm. 
So I lived on, you know, Pepsi and Kool-Aid and beefaroni and SpaghettiOs and bologna sandwiches and <laughs> white bread and Miracle Whip. And, but when, we, when I would go to the doctor, they would just give me oral meds, topical creams. In fact, when I wrestled in junior high school, I wore a long sleeve sweatshirt mm. because I kept breaking out. Because in the winters in Michigan, I had this cortisone cream that I put on my elbows because I had the severe skin problems. Really? And it would crack it and then start bleeding. Mm. You know, and today, you know, in sports, when you bleed, you're basically, ta- well, it was just, yeah, you just, just covered it up. So, so skin is a huge indicator of something's out of balance. Mm. And as you, your health, you get healthier inside, skin get better outside. But we don't treat skin that way no- or normally. Right. We, we treat it topically. Or we give people oral meds. So, again, that's part of the equation. Gotcha. So, again, some of those things we're going to talk about today have nothing to do with blood work. But when you look at the eyes or the teeth, the gums, what's your energy like, yeah. you know, what's your sleep like, these are all indications that your because your health is keeping score. Mm-hmm. It's talking to you, and, and especially your skin. So I love to look at skin, hair, and nails. Mm. Because when you think about hair... I mean, when people have going through chemo, what happens to their hair? Fall out. Falls out. Why is that? So that's, again, we talk about that. Mm. And then I had a woman that went through chemo years and years ago, and she was doing the wheatgrass and all, all this stuff, and her, her, uh, got, her um, oncologist was asking, what's going on with your hair? Mm. It's coming in better than ever. And she said, well, maybe it's some of the nutrients I'm putting in my body. Hello? Of course. So that's what we have to look at. Like, there's so many things that the body is talking to us, but we want to mask it. Yeah. If I have dandruff, I take put a dandruff shampoo. If I have acid reflux, I take an acid blocker. If I have high blood pressure, I take a high blood pressure medication or cholesterol. So, so anyway, that's really just setting the tone of now we have to jump into how do we improve these numbers. So the first bucket we're going to tackle is cholesterol. So just a quick review on the cholesterol. Understand cholesterol is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. You want your cholesterol level higher in balance. And what do I mean by that? You want to have your cholesterol to HDL ratio to be 3.5 for women or less Mm -hmm. and 4.5 for men or less. The other one, you want to know what your triglycerides HDL ratio, and ideally you want that less than 2. So if your triglycerides are 100, HDL is 50, you have a 2. So those are the two big buckets. that. So if these get out of balance and they're a little bit out of balance, again, I like the word out of balance, then what do you do? So number one, when you think about cholesterol itself, you have to dive into omega-3 fats Mm. because omega-3 fats create that balance. So when you look at cholesterol itself at the top of the the, the big, you know, waterfall, it moves into your sex building hormones and one of the raw materials that helps that create balance is omega-3 fats. Here comes the cod liver oil, here comes the walnuts, the chia seeds, the flax seeds. Yeah, okay. So way back in the day, and I've never had anybody not get off their cholesterol medication, working with their doctor. So if you're on a statin med, you don't get off your statin med. But what you do is you develop a lifestyle, and that lifestyle is one full tablespoon of cod liver oil yeah. and two tablespoons of ground flax seeds. And you do that every day for about two months. And then you go back to your doctor and say, hey, I'm on this plan. I want to cut my dose in half. And that's how you get people off it. Mm. So when you start combining the, the fiber and the, the omega-3s with the flax and then the uh, cod liver oil, which is DHA and EPA, that creates balance 
And so then from there, you start looking at what other things can you do? Well, one of the greatest things to improve cholesterol profiles is lowering inflammation. So here we go to anti-inflammatories, colorful fruits and vegetables. But we're a huge fan of greens because mm-hmm. greens lower it. So it could be leafy greens, spirulina corella, wheatgrass. And then we move into some of the other things like, again, anything in the rainbow of fruits and vegetables. We, I love pumpkin seeds, Brazil nuts. These things all help your cholesterol profile. So when you start doing some of these things here now, don't feel like you have to take a cholesterol-lowering medication. In fact, I don't recommend a cholesterol-lowering medication for anybody Mm. unless you've had a heart attack. But if you're on a cholesterol medication, I'm not asking you to get off. I'm asking you to develop a plan. And then that plan, then you go back to your health professional and say, hey, what's our strategy to get off this? And this is my strategy, and I'd really like to cut my dose in half. So if you're on 40 milligrams of a statin med, you cut it to 20. If you're on 20, you go to 10. But that's the key, working with your health professional to improve that. So again, if you're out there listening, mm-hmm. I've never had anybody not get off their cholesterol-lowering medication working with their doctor. It's a pretty powerful, bold statement, but it's really true. So you don't have to go down that path. And when you talk about triglycerides, because they're kind of in the same category, but triglycerides, as we mentioned last week, is a really fast-moving metric. And, it's, and you can change this in 30 days or less. And that's a great indicator f- for heart disease and stroke is your triglyceride to HDL ratio, as I just mentioned. So if your triglycerides are over 100, that's too high. That tells me right away you're eating processed foods, energy drinks, soda pop, too much alcohol. Huh. And so that's a really good indicator. As we mentioned last time, it's like flossing. You can't lie to your dental hygienist about flossing. Right. You can't lie about your triglycerides and you're eating clean because it just shows up. So when you want to improve triglycerides, one of the greatest ways to lower triglycerides, again, I can't say this enough, is that cod liver oil. It drops it right like a bucket, just drops it so quickly. So as you do that, as simple as it is, then you start improving your lifestyle. Maybe you're not drinking as much alcohol. Maybe you're drinking, you know, less soda pop or energy drinks or whatever. But when you start doing some of the, get some of the garbage out, and start bringing some of the good stuff in, that really enhances it along the way. So again, pumpkin seeds, Brazil nuts, walnuts, flax, spirulina corral, this all is a great indicator of of how do you lower your triglycerides because that is the mirror of how you're eating and drinking right away. So those are two right off the bat. That's the first bucket in your Know Your Numbers handout. And then from there, we move into this thing called glucose. So I want a quick reminder is your glucose ideally should be less than 95. And glucose looks at your, how your blood sugar level of glucose per, per day. A hemoglobin A1C measures your glucose over a period of 6 to 12 weeks. So it's a much powerful indicator of something being out of balance. So for some reason, if your glucose level is too high, make sure you ask for your, your health professional to get your hemoglobin A1C. And that number should be 4 to 5.6%. So I have had so many people that are type 2 diabetics that are no longer type 2 diabetics. Mm. So type 2 diabetes is not only preventable, it's reversible. And it's a and, and it, and it crazy statistic that today we're at about 1 in 6 people in the United States that have type 2 diabetes. Just do the math on that, 1 in yeah, 6. Yeah, and we're trending to 1 in f- 4 to 1 in 3. And today, it's a $450 billion industry. 
and it's so fixable. Mm. So quick review on type 2 diabetes. Type 2 diabetes is not a disease of carbohydrates. Type 2 diabetes is a disease of the cell. Mm. So when the cell membrane gets too stiff and rigid, hence when you eat, glucose starts to rise, insulin comes out to open up the cell like a rusted door, but the door is locked. Yeah, I remember that from the last one. Yep. So when the door is locked, glucose goes up, yep. even when A1C goes up, and hence now I'm a pre-diabetic or I'm a type 2 diabetic. Hmm. So now you know the answer for type 2 diabetes is you need to make the cell membrane soft and permeable. And when you do that, one of the greatest ways to do that is making sure you're staying hydrated. Back to some form of chlorophyll, anything dark green, it's like scrubbing bubbles for the cell. So that's why we're a big fan of wheatgrass and spirulina corella and bok choy and kale, spinach, broccoli, because it makes that cell. And then from there, the lubrication is going to be your omega-3 fats. So now we're going the lubrication. Again, it's like a broken record, but we're bringing that omega-3 fats, walnuts, chia, flax, Mm -hmm. and the cod liver oil. What about um, chlorophyll? You know, the droplets they have, like you put them in your water. Yeah, so again, back to the source. Again, you can do that, but why would we do that when we're going to eat chlorophyll from the source, which is our spirulina corella and the wheatgrass? Mm -hmm. So again, you could take a chlorophyll drop, but now I'm losing all the benefits of nucleic acid and all the stuff in that. And plus, it's much, you know, more inexpensive, much more powerful. Yeah. So, again, there's lots of people doing that, but that's really the key. But when you look about blood glucose, I'll say it, sh- share a couple more here. Oatmeal on the run that Rashawn and Chris love, mm-hmm. amazing for your glucose. So my morning breakfast is so good for my cells and my glucose level. Believe it or not, carrots, which are high in the glycemic index, are great for type 2 diabetics. People are like, oh, you're talking about high in the glycemic index. Carrots are uh, antioxidants, asparagus, broccoli, figs, raspberries, strawberries, apples, sweet potatoes, spinach, avocados, lemons, grapefruits, limes, blueberries, cinnamon. Cinnamon's incredible for the cell. And get crazy here, now we're getting into one of the herbs is going to be dandelion root. Hmm. So if I have somebody that's, yeah, so it's really helpful for the liver and cleansing, but it also is great for the cell. Nice. Okay. So get back to basics, drinking enough water, do your omega-3 fats, but understand that type 2 diabetes is not only preventable, but it's reversible. And the big one is that you got to get the cell soft and permeable. All right. So now we're into, so again, this know your numbers is in buckets. So that's bucket number one and two. Bucket number three is where most people do not get tested. And that, as we mentioned last week, is called homocysteine. Mm -hmm. So one of the greatest things for homocysteine is understanding it's oxidation. So homocysteine equals oxidation. So if you bite into an apple, it turns brown. If you have metal outside and it rains, it rusts. So that's really what homocysteine is. It's rust. It's rust, okay. And that's why it's such a great indicator of heart disease, because as your homocysteine level goes up, you have more rust. And that's not good for the heart. And is rust, is that like pretty much like uh, your vessels in your body kind of closing up or getting a little... Yep, you start, you start rusting. Mm. And so now you create lots of, lots of free radicals mm. and oxidation. So when you hear about antioxidants, antioxidants 
lower oxidation. Gotcha. So that's why anything colorful, that's when people take fruit out of their diet, their homocysteine level goes up. Mm. So ladies and gentlemen out there, do not, do not take fruit out of your diet or you will have higher levels of homocysteine. If you're consuming too much protein powder, you will have higher levels of homocysteine. If your stress levels are higher, you'll have high levels of homocysteine. That's why, unless you ask wow. for it, you're not going to get your homocysteine. There's no medications for it. It's lifestyle. But homocysteine is one of the greatest indicators of heart disease and cancer, stroke. It's a great indicator. We need to understand it. So, again, if you're taking carbohydrates out of the diet, we're not talking about Cheetos and Snicker bars. <laughs> We're talking about fruits and vegetables, ancient grains, things like that. Your homocysteine will go up when you drop your carbohydrate intake. Mm. And I see it every single time. And that number ideally should be less than 10. So I've had people coming into me the last couple of years in the 25 to 30 range. Wow. And it should be less than 10. Yeah. So when you start changing your diet, I had a guy that had hiccups, wrote about my book. His homocysteine was like 37. And reality is, you know, he hasn't eaten a fruit in five or six years. Wow. That's a problem. Just for me and the people in the back, homocysteine should be what again? What range? Less than 10. Less than 10. Yes. And, and normal, you said, when it's when you got a risk for heart problems, what is the... Um, so again, the lower the better. Lower the better? Yep. So when we start seeing it creeping up to 14, 15, 18, you've got a lot of oxidation going on. Okay. And the fastest way to lower oxidation is called folate, which is greens. Not folic acid, but folate. Use folate. So the more greens you eat, again, that's why we're a big fan of wheatgrass, spirulina, corella. Yeah. But foods high in folate include leafy greens, asparagus, broccoli, mm. cucumbers, beets, sweet potatoes, squash, strawberries, flaxseed, spirulina, corella, as we mentioned, frozen wheatgrass. Gotcha. So we're not talking about taking a folate supplement. We're talking about really consuming real foods high in folate. Yeah. What's the difference between folic acid and folate? So folic acid is very difficult to absorb. So again, back to a synthetic form of folate. Mm. So folic acid is a synthetic form of folate. So it's pretty much like a fake version of the actual. Yeah, I mean, it could be beneficial. Some people, like if you're not going to do anything, I might, yeah, you might want to take a folic acid supplement. Mm. But you're seeing that across the board. With, you know, like if, if you're talking to a health professional sometimes, they'll just tell you to take folic acid in a pill form. Like, why? Right. Yeah. We just need you to start getting the thought process. So let's eat some real food because it's not what you put in the body. It's what the body can actually break down and absorb. Mm. That's a big problem out there. You know, a lot of gotcha. people take supplements. It's like just because you put it in your body does not mean you absorb it. Right. And break it down correctly. You know, talking about digestive health and all the stuff that goes with that. So, so for me, when I have somebody first come in, I want to make sure they get the number. They never even heard of it before. Yeah. And number two, I want them to know what it should be. And then once they get it, because we talked about this with last week with you, is once you get a baseline, then I can see where it's at. So if it's hovering right around 15, I'd say, hey, you know, Rashawn, what are you doing? You know, if it's 18, what are you doing? And then they'll tell you. And then I'll say, Rashawn, you're probably not eating a lot of fruits and vegetables and Asian grains. And you're probably going, oh, yeah, you're right. I'm not. Or if I'm having too much stress or I'm consuming too much soda or alcohol or energy drinks, that oxidation levels will go up. See, wow, that's crazy. Stress creates more oxidation. That's crazy. So, but I really see a lot of that when people are cut the carbs out of their diet. Mm. 
mm. because the keto. body because the body moves to us it moves into the acid level mm. so right behind that in your know your numbers the next bucket is and one last thing here b6 is huge so we don't talk enough about b6 people talk about b vitamins but b6 is incredible for homocysteine mm-hmm. and believe it or not this comes from nuts but bananas Cabbage, cauliflower, potatoes, ancient grains like oatmeal, amaranth, teff. These are all high in B6, and these on top of folate are incredible for your homocysteine. And as I mentioned before, antioxidant foods. So anything colorful is going to be an antioxidant. And then the, the other one the end of this bucket is called highly sensitive C-reactive protein, and that measures inflammation. Mm. And that number ideally should be 1.0 or less. So when you, this is kind of the chronic inflammation you're hearing about today, but inflammation is the root cause of pretty much every disease. So this is why are we not getting highly sensitive CRP. You get a bee sting, you get a toothache, that might be elevated, but chronically, if this number is high, and I've seen crazy numbers. I've seen fours and fives. Oh, that's crazy. So ideally, I try to get my clients to have it to be point zero such and such, or one, you know, one zero. But once it starts creeping up above one, we know we have too much inflammation. Yeah. And if you think about heart disease, about 70% of all heart attacks occur with normal cholesterol levels. So what's the other components that cause people to have a heart attack? We just talked about oxidation, the rust, Mm -hmm. and inflammation. So when the cholesterol profile gets out of balance, we have too much oxidation and too much inflammation. That's the trifecta of risk. That turns into a problem. So back to, again, understanding what that is, but how do you lower that? How do you make your diet more anti-inflammatory Anti-inflammatories naturally are called omega-3 fats. It's like a broken record again, and right. we're deficient in them. So we're not talking about a gel tablet, you know, that I'm taking at a big box store. We're either talking about the good stuff or the oil itself, but that's what we want to think about right there. And coconut oil, extra virgin olive oil, avocados, almonds, macadamia nuts, pumpkin seeds, Brazil nuts, hemp seeds, these are always, because these are all healthy fats, yeah. That lower inflammation. So healthy fats are incredible for lowering inflammation. And the other thing that really helps with inflammation is greens. So greens not only help homocysteine levels, they help inflammation, which is the high sense of CRP. And that's why we're a big fan of like the spirulina corella and the wheatgrass. Cool. And what about a green smoothie too? Can you add that in there as well? Darn right. Okay. Yeah. You can do whatever you want. For sure. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I'll add kale and spinach to my smoothie. Yeah, I do that too. If I get lazy, I might just throw some spirulina corolla in there. <laughs> but that makes it really green and adds a little bit of taste that I'm not crazy about. I know it's healthy for me, but if I do it right, I'm going to usually use spinach or kale in my smoothie. Yeah. And then hydration is huge mm. for inflammation. Can you tell us about people who are not as hydrated if they take a like drinking like one cup a day? What can that do? Well, any you know, again, back to I would say I would say ninety five percent or more. Most people coming to the emergency room in a hospital are coming in because they're chronically dehydrated. Mm, don't That's, even know, huh? They don't even know it. It's crazy. But then when you talk to them, 
Oh, I've had three cups of coffee today. Had any water? No. Have you had any <laughs> fruit? No, because fruit is a lot of water. Vegetables have water in them. But they're eating live protein. There's no really much water and protein. Yeah. And then they're super dehydrated. And it's not just one day. It's chronically. Yeah, over time. Yeah, and so if you're not consuming at least 50 ounces a day of water, which is the minimum, mm. your your body's going to draw from your blood volume. And then every organ in the human body is rinsed mm. by water. So now the cells, and now talk about elimination, your urine's going to be more dark. You're not eliminating correctly, so you create more toxicity. You can yeah. see how this starts to roll. Yeah. Energy level goes way down. Brain fog. I mean, people say all the time, I'm taking this stuff for brain fog. Well, why don't you just drink more water? Right. Make this simple. You're already not drinking enough water. Mm. So across the board, if you're trying to improve your numbers, you start with the basics, which is water. Number two is you need to bring omega-3 fats to the party. And when you start doing those simple two things... Then you say, hey, I'm having lots of inflammation. Well, I'd ask you about your sleep. Mm. What's your stress like? Because if your body moves to the acid side, acid equals inflammation. See how it starts to roll? So that's why, and then we talk a lot about pace and space of life. I have a presentation coming up this fall, and it's called Pace, Space, and Food for Life. Mm. Because once your pace and your space get out of balance, you're probably going to have more inflammation. So that's a great indicator. Hey, I'm having a lot of inflammation, but what do we do about it? You know, we start improving, making, create more alkaline uh, places in the body. And then from there, we move into the prostate. Just make sure that everybody's getting their prostate checked, fellas, and then uh, get it physically checked. But one of the greatest things for your prostate is this thing called an omega-6 fat. Mm. So, fellas, if you're listening out there, let's make this so simple. Pumpkin seeds. Brazil nuts, hemp seeds, along with spirulina corella, have high levels of gamma linolenic acid, GLA, and this is essential for the prostate health. Gotcha. Now, get crazier for a minute. Sea vegetables are incredibly good for thyroid and prostate. I do not, do I consume as much as these that I should? No. But it's one of the things I'm trying to think about more. How do I bring this? This is kelp, dulse. Uh, sushi nori, things like that. I'm not a big fan of the taste, but the health of it. Yeah. And then cereal grasses. That's where the wheatgrass comes in. So instead of doing all these crazy things, you know, start thinking about, do I really want to improve my prostate? Then I would say for sure you need to do the frozen wheatgrass ice cubes or mm. the wheatgrass tablets. And then last but not least, just write this down, listeners. The trace mineral zinc is incredible for the prostate. And foods high in zinc include lamb, chicken, spinach, uh, grass-fed beef, squash, broccoli, asparagus, greens, oatmeal, teff, pumpkin seeds, spirulina, corella, and many beans. But many medications deplete Mm. zinc. And this is where people don't even understand it. So one of the biggest zinc depleters out there is anti-inflammatories, ibuprofen, Mm. acid blockers, blood pressure medication, cholesterol medications, hormone replacement therapy, Mm. all have a leaching effect on zinc. zinc, So sometimes we don't really understand the side effect of many medications. Mm -hmm. Every medication has some form of leaching properties, and they take nutrients out of the body. That's always the side effect. 
And zinc is leaked to our testosterone too, right? Zinc is so powerful for cholesterol profile. Zinc, zinc and selenium are like the secret weapons in the trace minerals. So again, I just mentioned things high in zinc, things high in selenium is Brazil nuts, pumpkin seeds, and hemp seeds. So again, when we start bringing some of these natural foods to the body, it doesn't have to be every day. It doesn't have to be so strict and rigid. We start seeing major changes in some of this stuff. So when I sit down with somebody, especially the fellows that I'm talking about prostate with them, I kind of go through this and just create awareness. Hey, we don't need to start with sea vegetables because they're not going to do it. (laughs) But they could do the wheatgrass. They could eat foods higher in zinc. And then they could start stop taking stuff that, that like a baby aspirin or a, a, an acid blocker. Mm. Because if you're trying to do that, well, cod liver is a natural anti-inflammatory and anticoagulant. That's what your that's what your baby aspirin does. Mm. And then when you look at other things out there, that's just add some zinc to it and make sure you're not taking these things that decrease inflammation, like these anti-inflammatory meds or ibuprofen. Yeah. So anyway, just make sure, fellas. If you're 50 and over, make sure you get your prostate physically checked by your health professional. And then the thyroid, just understand thyroid, as we talked last week, is thyroid is your stress indicator for both men and women. Yeah. Oh, stress indicator, huh? So one of the things that causes the thyroid to get out of balance is stress. And when stress beast comes in, your immune system's compromised. And the immune system's compromised, you're going to see lots of problems, including thyroid. So the number one way to improve your thyroid is really looking at, are you getting enough rest? So it's not anything fancy, and people might be on a armor thyroid or synthroid or whatever medication they're taking, and I'm not, I'm not telling them to get off anything. But let's just start with at, at the thought process would be maybe you're not going to take as much medication in the future. We don't even talk about getting off it. We talk about maybe you take less but it really begins with looking at your rest. I mean, if you looked in the United States, we have more thyroid problems than any country combined in the world. Yeah. Combine yeah. all the countries in the world, the United States has more thyroid than every country combined. Mm. And you got to ask the question, what's going on? Pace, space of life. So again, that's where you begin. Then you start thinking about consuming foods high in iodine. Mm. So foods high in iodine include asparagus, Brussels sprouts, carrots, kale, oats, green onions, sweet potatoes, squash, strawberries, tomatoes, watermelon. What do those all have in common? They're all carbohydrates. Mm. So you can see how this, if I'm not eating carbohydrates, I'm not consuming really foods that are high on iodine. Right. And for my people out there, complex carbs. <laughs> We're talking like about the said, real deal. Right, right. Like you said, not the Snickers bar. No. Nope. I mean, my carbs for the day. Because <laughs> no. most people, if you ask them what's a carb, they're going to tell you it's white rice, it's yeah, bread, bread, it's yeah. pasta, yeah. it's sugar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's a carbohydrate family. Yeah. That's probably the family we don't really like. Right. We all have family <laughs> members we probably don't really yeah. enjoy that much. So that's the family member. But also what's really high in iodine is sea vegetables. Mm. So if I have somebody that really has some thyroid, let's really go down that path. Let's do it. And it could be a sea vegetable whole food supplement. That could be a possibility. And I mean by whole food, does it have real foods in it? So when people say to me, should you take a multivitamin? And I said, well, you could. I'd rather have you not. But if you, you could, 
But if you do take a multivitamin, make sure you're taking a whole food multivitamin. Mm -hmm. And the way you know that is when you see, for example, beta carotene is, comes from anything that's colorful orange. So you're going to see sweet potatoes or carrots. But if you don't see sweet potatoes and carrots and it says beta carotene on there, you know it's synthetic. So about 90 to 95% of our multivitamins are synthetic. So I'm not saying if you're taking, if you want to take like sea vegetables in a whole food form, you can take kelp and you can take things like that. But that all will be on that ingredient list is kelp. Is kelp. Or whatever sea vegetable you're taking. Hmm. And then foods high in zinc, as we just mentioned. So again, when you see people with thyroid problems, they might have, you know, weight gain, fatigue, yeah. They're cold all the time. Hormones imbalance. Yeah, their hormones. They mean yeah. their mental health isn't great. Low sex drive, dry skin, brittle nails, because of stuff you talked about earlier. But again, foods high in zinc, just as a quick review. Ch chicken, lamb, spinach, beef, squash, broccoli, asparagus, greens, oats, the, all these things. That's why, again, I'm a huge fan of the oatmeal on the run. Yeah. Covers lots of ground. And then keep your liver healthy. I don't think we talk enough about keeping your liver healthy. Because no. we can't put all the stress in the kidneys and liver and the spleen. Again, back to too much processed foods, too much alcohol, too much dehydration. This starts making the liver not happy. Mm. What makes the liver happy, obviously, is staying hydrated, foods high in chlorophyll. Chlorophyll is a natural detoxifier cleanser. And then the things we just talked about, again, daily movement is fantastic for your liver. So just walking or working your, you know, working your arms and stuff that works your autoimmune system. This is so good for your body, lymphatic system, and then sleep. So then we jump into what you talked a lot about last week, and I think you do a great job of this. But as we look at vitamin D, mm -hmm. you know, I said, "Hey, Rashawn, how do you get your vitamin D?" And the first thing you said was, "What?" I go sit in the sun. Go sit in the sun, and when do you do the sun? Hmm? When do you do it? In the morning. In the morning. Yeah. So that's a new routine. Not maybe really new, but it's a routine that you do all the time. Yeah. So even if it's cloudy in Michigan or wherever you're at, you're just definitely going to get some. And that morning sunlight is huge. huge. Just just for a little bit, you know, just step outside and get that. But the sun is the big one. But the number we want to make sure we're getting, because, again, D is a hormone, bone health, all sorts of wonderful things for the human body. Mm. But type 2 diabetes... Is it directly linked to vitamin D deficiency? Wow. Um, because it talks about insulin sensitivity. Muscle imbalances, muscle pain, vitamin D deficiency. Um, calcium absorption for bone, mm. vitamin D deficiency. So you can see this covers lots of ground. But that number, ideally for you, everybody listening out there, it should be over 50. If it's 25, 30, you know, it might be getting your blood tested different times a year. We talked about that last week. But make sure you're getting some sun and understanding the power of our cod liver oil. Yep. So why our cod liver oil? We're so excited about it because it's high levels of D3 naturally. Livers are frozen on the boat. You don't have to take a vitamin D3 supplement because it is. It's already in there. It's already in there. Mm. So if you take one to two tablespoons a day, you're getting anywhere but close to 7,000 IUs of D3 a week, which is plenty. Mm -hmm. And vitamin D3 synthetically is very difficult to absorb. Really? So listeners out there, quit taking your vitamin D3 supplement. Start taking the cod liver oil. It covers lots of ground, the omega-3 fats, but it also is high in D3.
and chlorophyll is incredible for D3. Will it help with absorbent or something? It helps to absorb it. It helps to, it's like, it's a form of stored sunshine. Hmm. So it forms like vitamin D in the body naturally, and it helps to regulate uh, calcium. So again, wheatgrass, brilliant acrella, kale, spinach, broccoli, collard greens, romaine lettuce, sea vegetables, all contain high levels of chlor uh, chlorophyll. Gotcha. So, you know, I, I tell my clients sometimes, let's make this really simple today. I want you to drink enough water. Be really intentional about your water. Number two, I want you to consume omega-3 fats. And if you're doing the cod liver oil, and if you don't consume any type of fish, then it's the flax, the chia. But the reason we love the cod liver oil, the flax, and the chia, because now you cover all aspects of your omega-3, yeah. plus we have the D3. Boom. And if we bring some form of chlorophyll to the party, because I don't know about you, but I probably don't eat as much greens as I should. I mean, I'll yeah. eat asparagus or broccoli or a big salad, but I'm only eating it probably once, possibly twice a day. Right. So here comes my spirulina corella. Here comes my wheatgrass. My wheatgrass is in the morning. So if you can get the water, the omega-3s, and the chlorophyll, you cover so much ground, which is really kind of everything we're talking about. And if you start looking at your medication, which are leachers, you know, maybe you're not on a medication, but if you are on a medication, then you probably know you're deficient in something. Yeah. So if you're taking an aspirin out there, you need to get off it. There's no reason to take an aspirin because you got to ask the question, what's it doing? Right. Well, it lowers inflammation. Well, synthetically it might, right. but it's not doing it the right way. And it's right. an anticoagulant, so is your omega-3s. Mm. All right, so again, that's that, that's that bucket. And we lead into the last two is what I love talking about as we talked last week is testosterone. So testosterone is your aging marker for both men and women. And if we watch nightly news, all you see is acid blockers, you see type 2 diabetes, you see mental health, and you see hormones, yep. testosterone. So quick review for women, your testosterone level needs to be over 25. And for men, ideally, I like to see it over 500. But if you're thriving for the women... Thriving is 30 plus. For men, it needs to be 500 plus. That's thriving, not just surviving. But if you feel like belly fat's creeped up, because at age about 30, we lose 1% a year mm -hmm. if we're not doing the right stuff. Yeah. And if you go from 30 to age 40 to 50, 60, we might lose 30% of your testosterone level, low libido, low energy level, you know, you're struggling because testosterone is the thriving hormone. Yeah. You know, you your testosterone at 25, I mean, you're just a superhuman right now, right? <laughs> but yeah. we want to keep that as time yeah. goes on because everybody goes, oh, as I age, my testosterone. No, it will drop. Right. But it doesn't need to drop like a big brick like I see every day. And then we're like, is, is bioidentical hormone replacement necessary? It could be, but it's sure not step number one. In fact, right. it's not step number five. Mm -hmm. So step number one with testosterone is number one, you need to make sure you get it tested, understand what it is. Yeah. And then from there, very similar to thyroid, it's directly related to rest. Mm. So if the stress beast is on, cortisol comes out and cortisol steals. So think about this for a minute. You're getting chased by a lion. You don't really care about 
having sex or eating or having fun, right? You're in survival mode. So I'm running from the lion. So think about our day. If our, our pace and our space and our life is going 900 miles an hour, we're running all day long. Cortisol levels are just on. And you're building sex hormones, cortisol, and it's just gobbling up testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, growth hormone. So you can't even have it if you don't have enough rest. So step number one is really setting down is on a one to 10 scale, how's your stress? Do you get a good night of sleep? Yeah. Are you on a statin med to lower cholesterol? And why do I ask that? Because cholesterol makes testosterone. So if I'm on a statin med, I'm probably going to have a compromised testosterone. Yeah. So when I see men and women both, and their testosterone is very low, the first thing I go at is your sleep, things like that, and then I jump right into, are you taking a stat med? And most of the time they are. Mm. And they've never been told that a stat med can compromise their testosterone. So I don't know about you, but as a male, and I'd say, you know, it's going to increase your belly fat. You're probably not going to, you're going to have a low libido. You might have erectile dysfunction. Mm -hmm. You might have, you know, increased weight gain. Uh, you might have brain fog. Sounds sad. Sound like a sad. You might have inflammation. Yeah. I don't know if I'd sign up for that. Nah. In fact, I wouldn't. So just to understand everybody that that's the big deal for testosterone. And then the other thing, too, if you're deficient in omega-3 fats. So if you can get people to get rest, they get their omega-3 fats. Yeah. We bring in the strength training. Yeah. I had a guy that raised his testosterone when he was 54 years old. He raised his testosterone 130 points in nine months. Wow. And the doctor wanted to know what he was taking. And he said, well, I'm doing the cod liver oil. I'm paying attention to my sleep and my stress. Yeah. I've changed my strength training where I have a little bit more recovery. I'm not doing a boot camp, you know, Tabata-type crushing my, me all the time. Because if you're crushing yourself every day and you don't get enough rest, I have my clients all the time. I'm like, listen, let's see your testosterone level. You're doing the strength training. You don't have enough recovery we got to change your workout. We need to make sure it's a little bit more traditional. You strength, you recover, you strength, you know, it's all that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah, but just a boot camp workout, mm-hmm. many times will elevate it, but then it's going to drop it right back down. Yeah. It's, it's too much. Mm-hmm. It's called redlining. So if my, redline, my workouts are too much redlining, that's not going to build my testosterone. Mm-hmm. If my workouts are so lame and w- so wimpy, that's not going to build my testosterone. Right. So it's kind of like the porridge. It has to be just kind of just right. But when you start bringing it more traditionally, we talk about that in the Rest Eat Move book. Again, like type 2 diabetes, you can improve testosterone for both men and women. I had an endurance athlete years ago. Testosterone level was nine at 31 years old. How many? Nine. Just nine? Nine. Oh, my goodness. And so before she came to see me because she was discussing that she was not – performing it like she wanted to and she was training super hard uh-huh. i go it has nothing to do with that you're overtraining mm. you're not consuming the right foods we need to get better sleep she had young kids it was just i mean she was That's in a great. season of life mm-hmm. yeah but then when we started really getting down to that training she was actually doing less and performing better that's good so anyway that's a great indicator of how you're aging is that t level for both men and women but stress is a big one. Sleep's a big one. Omega-3 fats we're talking about. And I'll just jump over here just for a second. We touched on it already. But write down selenium and zinc 
mm. for greater testosterone. So if you can get omega-3 fats, selenium and zinc, which again, Brazil nuts, pumpkin seeds, hemp seeds, broccoli, asparagus, oats, maybe even amaranth, chicken, beef, lamb. These are all foods high in selenium and zinc. Not hard to do, just have to be more intentional. Gotcha. Wow. So just remember, as a, a man or a woman, many times if you don't ask for your testosterone level, you won't even know. your total level should be, for women, over 30, and men it should be over 500. And don't let anybody tell you that it's not necessary. It's necessary if you want to know how you're aging. Right. Am I thriving or am I just surviving? So I told this story, and again, I've told it 100 times, but when I was about 55, my testosterone level dropped 200 points. And I'm sitting down with Matt, and you know we're talking about it, and I was kind of, I was kind of like sad, I'm like kind of like, what's going on? I think I'm doing the right stuff. And he said, Dad, you're working too much. And right then and there, he was exactly right. I was on the road 18 straight days, 21 straight days. So I came back, and I'm like, you know what? I need to plug more rest, yep. more space into my life. And when I did, my testosterone level came right back. Came right to, back up, huh? yep. So, again, we, you, we mentioned this. I was listening to it last week. But as you mentioned earlier, at age 25, you just need a baseline. So when you're 25, maybe 30, maybe 35, you get it checked every five years. But now you know. Yep. Because you won't know. Unless you get it checked. Mm -hmm. I mean, you might know. You might have symptoms. And then the last little bucket here of, before we jump into things that are not necessarily related to blood work, is called glomular filtration rate. That's a kidney function, GFR. GFR. And GFR is, is understanding how your kidneys are working. And your kidneys have little tiny filters, and they're called glomular, glomular, glomuli. The little fingers, that's why they call it glomular filtration rate. Oh. And so these little fingers need to stay hydrated. And that's why we see low GFR. And you think about kidney function today, dialysis has never been going more prevalent today. In our community, we have five dialysis clinics. I mentioned this last podcast. Um, five years ago, we had one. So kid, people's kidneys, we're drinking way too much of these crummy coffees. Mm. So these, these coffees that are like, you know, sugar drinks, that's a killer for GFR. Wow. I got I to gotta write that one down. So when you see all these advertisements for these, these lattes on, you know, they have all the stuff in them. I think you can't have one once in a while, but people do this every day, toughen the kidneys. Man. Soda pop, energy drinks, alcohol. These are killers for the kidneys. Wow. Having a beverage every so often, not nothing, no big deal. But chronically, that's where it comes in. So if you're over-consuming alcohol, over-consuming your coffee, over-consuming energy drinks or soda, and then the big one is protein powders today. Mm -hmm. Protein powders, really, it's like putting sand in a radiator. I don't care if it's plant or, you know, it doesn't matter. It's going to be putting more stress. Doing occasionally, not a problem. But that's why we came up with a smoothie blend because the smoothie blend is real food. Mm -hmm. So I had a smoothie today. I put a little smoothie blend in there, put some Brazil nuts in there, put a couple walnuts in there. So I'm not, I got the omega-3, omega-6 fats, the selenium and zinc, you know, all that fiber, no protein powder. Mm. So 
easy to do, not hard to do. You don't have to have that protein powder. Don't let tell me I need to have better nails. My nails, I'm freaking almost 66 years old. My nails look pretty damn good. I'm not taking any protein powders. Mm. You don't need to. What's the point? So if I want to add more protein, I get it from nuts and seeds and ancient grains and you know, spirulina corella and things like that. So again, just think about that. If you're eating more live foods, more fruits and vegetables, these are great for the kidneys. Make sure you're drinking enough water. And that's why when people take carbohydrates out of their body, they're not going to have good kidney function. Mm. And that number, you need to know exactly what it is. The doctor won't even tell you what it is unless it gets below 60. Mm. So they'll say your kidney function is normal at above 60. You want to know exactly what that number is. So Rashawn, at your age, okay. 25, you probably have a GFR of 120. When you're 85 years old, you might have a GFR of 65 to 70. Mm. Still pretty good. But if you have a GFR of 65 to 70, you're at 25, you're doing some crummy crap. Yeah. And this is what I see. And that's for both men and women. Both men and women. Okay, so it should be over. Ideally, you want to know the number. Right. Ideally but you what you want to know is you want to know the exact number so you can compare apples to apples down the road. Yeah, okay. So make sure next time you get your blood test, don't let them say it's above 60. You want to know exactly what the number is. Gotcha. Because then you, next time, like your testosterone, you can compare. Gotcha. And so if you're not drinking enough water, Rashawn, and you're doing too much protein powder, mm-hmm. that GFR will slowly come down. You're going to, wow, I'm, I'm dehydrated. Yeah, I need to drink more water. Yep. That's the big one. So as your kidneys, think about them as it's like a radiator. As that kidney gets nice and clean, better kidneys, better liver, better spleen, so key, better big health. Kidneys a big dog there. Kidneys right. and liver run the show. Yep. And generally when your GFR is good, your BUN, which is a liver function, lo- looks great. So I think we can get over-testing sometimes. Uh-huh. But if you get your liver, you might not need your GFR. And if you get your GFR, you might not you – know, you see how these go. And if you have an issue, get yeah, it. Gonna we're going to get them both checked. Okay. And then, you know, we haven't talked much about this. We'll talk about this maybe in a future podcast. This is about hematology, which is your immune function, which people talk about. But then, again, we don't want to make this podcast way too long. Mm-hmm. But, again, I love talking about kidney function because if the kidneys are working good – everything's pretty good you can't put all the stress in the body and think you're not going to have a problem and the last piece here we're going to have four more is body weight we talked about that before so just a quick review is what do you want your weight to be so we talked about this last time with Rashawn Rashawn you like your weight to be around 200 Mm mm-hmm Right? Or 195 to 205 in between. That's your range. But 200 is my range. If I said, hey, Rashawn, you're 205 or 206 or 207, what would you say? That whistle blowing. Whistle's blowing. Mm -hmm. So you got to have a whistle, everybody. What is the whistle? So write down where do you want to be? What's your range? You didn't say 195. You said 195 to 205. Mm -hmm. Gives you a little little dancing space. But again, you can handle 205, Mm -hmm. but you probably don't want to handle 245. Uh, Right. Right? (laughs) So everybody out there, get your range, mm-hmm. and then what's your whistle? And once you get that range and you start getting in that range, and you need to make sure you're getting your – I tell all my clients, get on that scale once a week. Mm-hmm. Have the courage to get on that scale. Sometimes on my cell, I say to myself, I don't want to get on that scale. And then you don't want to exercise purge either, thinking I'll work 
work your butt off, exercise. You can't out-exercise a bad diet. So right. weigh yourself once a week. Get a belt. Get a pair of pants. Something that's not going to lie to you. Yeah. <laughs> so I just got back from uh, um, a wedding we went to in uh, Mount Hood. It was an amazing uh, ceremony in, in, in Portland, Portland area. We're up in Mount Hood area, mm-hmm. uh, Columbia River Gorge. But I have this blue suit that I wore, and I got it for my daughter's wedding. And at my daughter's wedding, I was pretty lean. So I put the blue suit on. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't like I was with my daughter's wedding. Yeah, yeah. So I was okay, yeah. but it just kind of made me think, I'm kind of getting close to the whistle. Mm-hmm. You know, I need to tweak this a little bit. Yeah. Just a little bit, not much, just a little bit. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay, but i still not like, okay, like, Wow, these are a little, just a little snug. <laughs> right, just a little bit. A little bit snug. So that's your body weight. Then we go to the big three, and this is your breaths per minute. So if I ask you a question, this has nothing to do with your blood work, but I would ask you, hey, Rashawn, how many breaths do you take per minute? Mm. And most people have no idea. In the United States, people breathe on average about 22 breaths per minute. That's extremely high. Mm. Most people breathe... About 50% through their mouth, and many people ble- breathe way too fast, and they use their chest. Mm. So do the opposite. Breathe through the nose, use your diaphragm in your belly, and slow it down. And one of the fastest ways to improve your quieting the mind and relaxing the body is changing how you breathe. Mm. It doesn't cost a dime. So we have lots of stuff in our information you probably heard it before but note to self Mm -hmm. not what you know it's what you do are you actually practicing maybe a minute a day with your nasal diaphragmatic slow breathing in chapter uh 12 or 11 in my book i have a whole chapter on breathing in fact this morning i was playing around with this i was doing box breathing but what's box breathing so box breathing was inhaling for four holding for four exhaling for four, holding for four. It's like a Navy SEAL. That's how they train. So it creates more energy. And then right after that, again, really great indicator because I was listening to uh, Freakonomics and they were talking about, I think it was maybe it was the TED Hour, but it was talking about breath. And it was has, uh, they were talking about um, some of the divers that hold their breath and they just continue to breathe. And so I was playing around with this. Again, I do this all the time. I was, but I was actually breathing in, and then I was sipping air. And I was just trying to see how long I could keep sipping air. Mm-hmm. And then I held it, and then I blew it out. And I tried to blow it out for about 10 to 11 seconds. Is that like a big chill pill? Or? It's like a big chill pill. Oh. But it's very intentional. Mm. So, again, as you do this and become more aware of your breath, you naturally start breathing less. So in a perfect world with my clients, I try to get them to do 12 to 14 breaths on average per all 24, 24-7. And think about that. How many, how many, if you, Dr. Phil used to talk about this all the time, but an unhealthy breather breathes about 22 to 24,000 breaths a day. Wow. A healthier breather breathes about 9,000 breaths per day. Think about that every day, 9,000 versus 22 to 24,000. It's almost impossible to have high blood pressure yeah. when you're a nasal, slow, diaphragmatic breather. Mm-hmm. So, again, this is why breathing is such a big deal. And, it, and the last thing on breathing is take this challenge. 
do a three-minute breath break. Sometime this weekend, do a three-minute breath break. You lay on your back, you close your eyes, put your hand on your navel. You can even set your phone. Just put the stopwatch on and go for, you know, as long as you can, but you just count your breaths. Once you get your rhythm going, start counting and then click the watch or click your phone. And the next thing you know, if you can get 15 breaths or less in three minutes, that's a skill. 15 you, in three minutes, wow. 15 okay. breaths or less in three minutes. Now, if you do it for one minute, you might be able to do five breaths in, th- in one minute, but you can hack it. You can kind of fake it. Mm. You can't fake the three minutes. Yeah. <laughs> That's a tough one right there. I'm going to see if I could do that. I'm going to come back with you. So when I, when I have clients in, I have them do this exercise, and I don't yeah. tell them anything, except I tell them I want them to breathe a little bit more intentional. And usually they come back, they breathe about 30 to 40 breaths in three minutes. And within a matter of a couple weeks, if they're really practicing it, because I can tell they can't fake it, mm-hmm. they're really getting good at it. Now they're in the 20 breaths, and now they're getting their body more in tune to do this type of breathing. Wow. And again, that's a great skill. And number two is resting heart rate, which goes right to that. Everybody out there, you want to have a resting heart rate of 65, ideally 60 or less. So that's a great indicator of fitness levels, stress levels. Yeah. So when my stress levels are high, your stress levels are high, your resting heart rate goes up. Mm. So one of the greatest things, when I work on my breath, my resting heart rate comes right down. So if you get a blood pressure cuff at home, which I recommend to everybody, you check it once a week, and you work on your breath, and the next thing you know, you see naturally normal, high, or low where it is. Yeah. So I got a question about the uh, when you breathe in 15 times, 3 minutes. So if you was to breathe in, can you hold and then release, or do you just breathe in and just release? It's just kind of a natural breath. So it's a four-second inhalation, maybe a six- to seven-second exhalation. Mm -hmm. That will get you in that that range of five, six breaths per minute. Okay. And as you get more comfortable with that, Mm -hmm. you might inhale for five or six, Mm -hmm. and you might exhale for, you know, eight, nine, ten. Gotcha. That's really where the really the level goes up. So think about that. One breath, if I'm inhaling for five, exhaling for eight, that's right. 13 seconds per breath. Right. Now you're down in the four second, four breaths per minute range. Yeah. Okay. And so now you can see these professional divers. I mean, that's a skill. They've really you know changed their physiology of the lung. Yeah. And as we age, we start losing lung capacity very quickly. And so we don't ever think about working on our breath. No. Next thing you go, and you're a senior, you go into the doctor, and they do a spirometer, and they want to n- test the strength of your exhale because that's the power. It's not the inhale. It's the exhale. Mm-hmm. That's the diaphragm pushing. You know, Franco Colombo, I wrote this in my book, but he was that Sardinian bodybuilder, and I love this guy, him and Arnold Schwarzenegger back in the day, but he was five foot six, and he was like, Amazing strong guy, 185 pounds, but he could blow up a hot water bottle and pop it in less than a minute. Can you imagine that? Blowing up a hot water bottle and popping it in less than a minute? Yeah, that's crazy. So if you're not quite sure about that, just Google that. You can see that. But that's the strength of the diaphragm, and that's a skill. So as you get that diaphragm stronger, if you can't blow up birthday candles, you can't blow up a birthday balloon, we need to get that diaphragm stronger, and that's part of the you know, breast per minute and resting heart rate. They all go together, and last but not least is blood pressure. So if you're working on your breathing, your resting heart rate gets better, you're more fit, more everything, 
your blood pressure will get in line. If these three are in good shape, probably your blood work's going to be in, in pretty good shape. Gotcha. Hmm. All right, so as we wrap this up, I'm just going to do a quick summary. So, again, we had a podcast with Jill Marlin way back, you know, handful, I would say probably five or six episodes back, but it was really about having a conversation with your health professional. Yeah. So just a quick review at the end of this series of three. Go back at the beginning. Listen to these over again if you're coming in to see your doctor. But you want to know what your risk is. You need to ask better questions. Go into your doctor visit. Have the three things you want to accomplish in that visit. Have these great dialogue with your health professional. If you don't get that dialogue, then you probably need to move on to another health professional. But I'll just tell you, many health professionals want their patients to be in the game. And if they're not in the game, it's hard. You know, if I have somebody coming in, they're not, you know, they're not curious, they're not asking good questions, it's hard to get down that path, right? Mm -hmm. So, again, that's, that's a big part of it. And then as simple as we talked about this, take your Know Your Numbers handout, take it in and give it to them, and, and make sure you know what your risk is, and then start taking some, some action along the way. And then do that, probably get your blood work done once a year, but try to stagger that around. If you're getting it done in August, make sure you get it done the following year, maybe in the month of February, so you're not having it at the same time every year because sun does make a difference and, gotcha. and things along the way. So, All right, any questions, my friend, before we let our listeners go? I mean, you pretty much answered a lot of these. You answered the questions without me asking them. I was just going right stuff <laughs> down. I got a lot of stuff to tell everybody. So, Lots of stuff. Yeah. But <laughs> as we all talk about, the body is amazing. It wants to heal if you give it the right opportunity. Mm -hmm. And never forget that. The human body has amazing ability to heal and self-correct if you get that opportunity. Again, if you have any questions, email us, uh, call us. Again, we're happy to help you in your journey. And remember, everybody has an opportunity to feel their best, but you have the power to feel your best. We'll see you next time.